Hey everybody, and welcome to episode 96 of Metallicast, the Metallica podcast. I'm your host at Belt Metallica fan. My name is Brandon, and this is the first Metallicast episode in a while, um, which, you know, I'll get into a little bit on this here show. But first and foremost, I want to welcome my guest. Uh, she has... I mean, I, I've lost track of the amount of times she has been on the show, um, which is not a bad thing by any means. One of my favorite guests, the one, the only, music journalist extraordinaire, music critic extraordinaire, music lover extraordinaire, musician extraordinaire, the one, the only, drumroll please, Kristen S.C. Kristen, how are you? I'm good, thank you. Um, I was wondering how long you want to drag that out. <laughs> <laughs> and it got like more and more flattering as time went on. So I was not sure cool. myself. But, you know, I could have gone on all day about yeah. uh, how wonderful of a guest you are. And how wonderful of a host you are. To have me back to back, albeit like four months apart. Yeah. But- yeah. You know, I was your unintentional going away episode, and now yeah, I'm your return yeah. episode. So let's talk so. about that a little bit. Um, nothing hmm. bad going on. Life is good. I have no complaints. But uh, life has been moving, I feel like, at a rapid pace. And uh, so last time Kristen and I recorded it was September, like the end of September. And we talked about... Um, you, you did a great episode with me. You talked about, um, your journey and the role Metallica played, um, in your transition and everything, which if you've not checked it out, go check it out. I mean, what else do you want me to say? Mm. Last episode, episode 95, cheap plug. And, um, we fully intended to very shortly thereafter record (laughs) a, uh, episode where we give a review of the new Megadeth album. Wow, sick. The dying and the dead. Ooh. You know, I actually didn't see that coming. <laughs> you caught me off guard for once with a Dave Mustaine impression. That's Sorry. how long that, it's been, that's Kristen. Show that's how long it's been for me to catch yeah. you off guard with that. Um, mm. And then life happened. Nothing bad happened, like I said. Um, you know, I started a new job, um, back at the end of August. So I got very caught up in that. Then I have the two kids at home and just other life events. We're buying a house. So that's happening. Um, so yeah, I just felt like I, and we had some things going on at home, nothing bad again, but just like logistically, I did not really have a space to record for a couple months. Um, so long story short, um, I had to take a back seat. It was a little bit of an unplanned, uh, um, break if you will. Um, but, and, and I really wanted, I was like, I'm going to come back at the end of December and do an anniversary episode. Cause I've done one every single year, uh, that the episode's been out. Or that podcast has been out rather that yeah I've done an anniversary episode for this episode. <laughs> um, there's been zero anniversary episodes for this episode, um, but 
there, <laughs> there has been an anniversary episode for the podcast um, every year. We've done um, last few years. We've done a live stream. Usually, you, Kristen, are the guests. Um, hmm. But then, you know, again, life happened, and uh, the holidays came around, and you know, I got caught up in family, and then I just needed a break too for my own mental health. Because my thing is right. If I have a few hours a week to myself to record, I sometimes just do not have the energy or mental capacity to record and then especially edit an episode. And the last thing I want to do is like make this feel like any form of work. Like I want this to remain fun. Um, So sometimes I just feel like I need a, you know, shut my brain off for a few hours, which I rarely get. And then, and then, so when I do record, I can come back and, uh, hopefully be at full capacity mentally, (laughs) or at least as full capacity as I normally am, which is, uh, not necessarily full capacity at all. And see, I'm already rambling here. Um, (laughs) but, uh, that's sort of, yeah, yeah. It's my podcast and I'll ramble if I want to. Exactly. It's my podcast and I'll ramble if I want to. Ramble if I want to. Ramble if I want to. You would ramble too if you had a podcast. Do 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 do. Shall I go on? Oh, I should do that as Mustaine. It's my podcast and I'll ramble if I want to. I'll ramble if I want to. I'll ramble if I want to. You would ramble too. All right. I promise many more. These boots are made for walking too. That's what you just did. Be automatically censored. Yeah. But just to explain my absence and uh, full disclosure, you know, I wanted uh, when I came back uh, after uh, my daughter was born, I took a few months off and I came back and I had full attentions doing like two a month and then work up to one a week. Obviously, that never happened. Um, and and I'm not going to promise that this year either. Um, I'm not going to make a false promise uh, like I did last year, um, but I am going to do my best to um get back in the content creating um, world. Um, I will full disclosure, definitely take like a couple months off here. Cause we're going to close in the house. Got to get work done and da, 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 da. So I'm going to be a little bit upended for um, a little bit, but the good news is I should be settled enough in the house to start recording by the time the new Metallica album is released. Ooh. And uh but before and we're, we're going to talk about also the, the first time that's happened during the yeah. era of Metallica getting a new album so This is very cool. Yeah, this is that that is an actual fact. Yes. Uh because hmm. it's been what? 8 7 8 years. Do the math for me please. 2016 uh, Hardwired to Self Destruct. 7 Seven years. Well, they did promise that we would not have to wait another eight years, which I think it was between Death Magnetic and Hardwired. Sure. So yeah, I yeah, guess, yeah. yeah, seven years. Well, it's not quite eight. Um, mm. But uh, so I'll take it. Uh, but so we're going to talk this episode about the new album, the new tour. We were planning on just talking about one new song, but 
they they the boys knew we were recording and um about like an hour or two before we started recording they dropped a second new song but before we get to all that i've already uh done the impression a couple times but let me do it one more time for good luck uh, let's talk about the new Megadeth. Oh. Priorities. Priorities. Yeah. Well, you know, we promised the Metallic Ass Monday show. We must deliver the goods. Um, and, and full disclosure, too, I did. Uh, I'll do another cheap plug here because why not? Like Kristen said, it's my podcast. Um, I did get uh, an advanced copy of this album and reviewed it for MetalTalk.net. Uh, so some of you maybe hopefully saw my um, review. That was back at the end of August when this album came out. And the headline is Megadeth reestablishes one of the finest bands in all of metal. And I declared it. I declared it. One of the best metal albums, if not the best, of 2022. So I'm I'm looking forward now to uh, revisiting this record a handful of months later and seeing if I still have that same opinion and also to get uh your thoughts you're putting your journalistic critical hat on here it's a physical hat i just saw her put it on um <laughs> <laughs> it's flashing journalists in neon lights i do have a hat but it's not worth getting for the visual gag that like one person will see <laughs> um, anyway yeah, well, nothing beats visual humor quite like in audio podcasts. Anyways, we've done it more than once. Yeah, I mean, we do it all the time. We never learn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we forget that just because we can see each other, other people. Oh, we cannot. don't forget. Yeah. <laughs> we know. <laughs> we just don't care. <laughs> oh, there's gonna be way too many insane impressions. I- I've got them all pushed down deep inside and i just have to purge now that's the problem especially when we're talking Megadeth. have you given us have you given us a reading of the album title today i think I so think but let have. me do it one more time if or, or for the first time the sick the dying and the dead wow beautiful poetry poetry um kristen let's get your initial thoughts i mean because we're professionals we definitely plan so i mean should we do this track by track you want to just give your general thoughts it might be the easiest thing to do maybe highlight a few tracks here or there maybe but uh yeah i think general is good yeah me too um it was really funny because like you I, yeah you got an advanced copy and i think you had first heard it in like july or something so yeah. maybe a couple months before it came out in september and this entire time like i knew we were going to do an episode on it so right i kept like putting off listening to it yeah so by the time we started arranging today's episode which was also like three weeks ago um yeah this, we, well, yeah, this we made one episode by the way yeah took like <laughs> It's been like three weeks in the making. Um, yeah. I had to cancel, then you had to cancel, and yeah. yeah. But here I'm we are. Surprised. Here we are. Yeah. Um. So it was like yeah, mid December, and 
I was like, oh, okay, time to record. And I said to you, oh, I should go listen to the album. And you're like, what? You haven't heard of it? Huh? What? So I listened to it. I'm pleased to report. I like it. I think that, um, as you've said before, like sometimes we have a bit of difficulty, like distinguishing new Megadeth albums from each other. Yeah. I think there are two things that jump out to me about this one. Um, one is that it's the most motivated they've sounded probably since Endgame in 2009, which is maybe the last one that everyone kind of agrees on. Yeah. Um, and that was more of a pure thrash album. Um, it's also the most like, uh, it, it's Dave willing to be, to lean into his obnoxiousness for the most <laughs> since so far so good so what yes in my opinion yes i think that he sounds super pissed off yes he's really leaning into that the songwriting the riffs everything is really leaning into that and um as a result it's like that there's this polarizing quality to it that exists like in his persona but not always like in the music he's made a lot of like middle of the road music right lately like the last two albums or definitely um super collider with its you know bon joviness yeah um so i have to respect that it's like i'm not entirely sure how to read the lyrics um i i almost think megadeth are like reverse napalm death if you know what i mean (laughs) it's like napalm death are always like so switched on and so like politically sharp in what they're talking about right and then I'm listening to this Megadeth album and like reading the lyrics and stuff. And like they have like a Dead Kennedys cover, which is like about, I think, police brutality or something. But they also have like a song about how attack helicopters are really cool <laughs> with IC, <laughs> right? I get it. Yeah, yeah. I get it. Yeah. But also, I don't. And also, the, ti- the <laughs> title of the album is, like, clearly a reference to COVID and the times that we live in. Right. But I don't know what the song is about. Like, <laughs> I-, I can look it up, but I don't know if it actually- it'll actually, like, tell you. So, I mean... I don't know. <laughs> I- it's hard to disagree <laughs> with anything you just said. I mean, the thing that stood out to me with this album mainly was the musicality of it. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, I've been, uh, for those of you who've been listening to this podcast for a while, um, we talk way too much about Megadeth for a Metallica podcast, mm. but they're just so connected. It's hard not to. Um, but you know, I've been uh, a pretty big critic against the last several Megadeth albums. Megadeth is one of my, if for all the crap I, I give them sometimes and all the teasing I throw their way. They're one of my all-time favorite metal bands. They've created some of my all-time favorite metal albums. Um, And, you know, I think Mustaine is a guitar genius. Um, But, you know, the last album from start to finish that really did anything for me from start to finish was probably The System Has Failed, which was, like, back in maybe... Oh, four. Or four, I was going to say, yeah. 
Yeah, that's a favorite of mine still. It's probably my number two of theirs ever, actually. Yeah, I love that album. And and, mm. and from there, you know, they did um, uh, what was the one that was next? United Abominations. Yeah, United Abominations, not a bad album. Yeah. I think the first half is pretty solid, and then it kind of, you know, mm. go like goes downhill parts and the. But when you open like the CD booklet and stuff, there's like a whole thing about like the Fox Show twenty four and Jack Bauer, and I just got like, <laughs> I I was like just like, what is this? Like, what is going on here? And they you had think he the twenty four was real. I, that's what I with Mustaine. I never rule it out. So, <laughs> yeah, exactly. and and yeah. then they had um, uh, Gears of War, Gears of like, which was written specifically for the video game. Yeah, which is again, it's okay, but it's you know, it's a little cheesy, you know. And then they had was Endgame after that. Yes. Yeah. And then you know, Endgame for me had its moments but still was not uh you know from start to finish like a solid release and then from that point forward uh, the Allen's did nothing for me like i would listen to them i like 13 super collider maybe there's another one i'm missing i'm not sure dystopia dystopia yeah. so 13 super collider i've listened i listened to once when they came out and then i was like i never need to listen to these albums again i did revisit them like same I did revisit them out of like morbid curiosity, um, like a couple years back or a year back, whenever it was, um, and gave them one more listen. And I've not listened again. I'm like, I'm good, I'm good. It, they're just, it's just watered down. Uh, Megadeth, like Megadeth by the numbers, um, and then even Dystopia. Everybody called it this return to form. Um, you know their their comeback album. And I think it was a big improvement over their last several albums. Uh, Kiko, the, the the new lead guitarist, I think is a brilliant lead guitarist. And he is arguably the best lead guitarist they've had, with the exception of Marty Freeman. I, I, I And I think mm, he adds totally. so much melodic color plus technicality to the music. Um, but the songs themselves in Dystopia just were not there for me for the most part. There's a, some really, there's some decent ones. And then they just have some that are just like, this is bad, bad. I think, I think it's just a bad song. And I, and I, and I was like, this is just kind of more of like the generic mega death we've been listening to for the last 10 years. And I think part of the problem is, is that Mustaine started pumping out these albums, like mm-hmm. every year, every two years. And it's like, if you if you took the best songs off each one, you'd have a couple really good albums. But it you know it's 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 he it was it was like he was going for quantity over quality, mm. and then quantity of riffs sometimes yeah. as well. Yeah, and we all know like Rust in Peace is that obviously, but um, I do think Dave has a tendency to write either like uh you know really thrashy fun songs that aren't as memorable or like more poppy songs that are memorable but like bad (laughs) well he almost like it happens he tends to like he he's had this conflict since like the mid 90s of like or maybe even the early 90s of like wanting to be this 
metal thrash superstar, but also like have this pop success. Um, and I feel like he has at times like sacrificed his music to, in order to like try to reach that pop success. Um, Mm, you know, um, like the song promises and the world needs a hero. Um, Mm. the, you know, bring out, bring in outside songwriters on like, um, risk and even i think on a couple songs on cryptic writings and i love cryptic writings yeah great album uh, but yeah in, in risk i do not mind i don't know that album gets crapped on a lot i not mind that album but you know there's definitely some like like the song i'll be there is definitely like you know a a, a sharp left from uh in my darkest hour and again that's okay you, you, <laughs> yeah. you like you can write songs that are from different times of your life that have I think conflicting messages, you know, especially when it comes to like mm. relationships, but like, I'll be there. It's just like, when you read the lyrics. I'm like, you think, is this like a Backstreet Boys song? I'll be there. <laughs> you know, like uh, it's just, I don't know. It's, he's just been like a little too cheesy and corny at times, lyrically at least. Mm. Um, and you know, Mustaine, his vocals are the best. When he snarls and spits and bites his way through these metal songs, like I'm not saying the guy, I know his voice is not for everybody, and I'm not even saying that he cannot sing, but like he's not this like crooner that can just sing over these acoustic numbers or sing over these ballads and make it work. He can neither croon nor do acoustic arrangements of his own songs. No, those. I, I man, when I heard, I, we've talked about this before, but I always think like, uh, was the skin of my teeth acoustic? It's just like, it's like if Metallica did Sabbath True on like an acoustic guitar and they just went, bum, 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 bum. If they did it, it would still have groove though. Well, that's true. You can imagine Lars like doing a great job on that. And James would have a, a voice that could carry it too, but yeah, um, you know it. He's always seems to be like towing this line or trying to find his place. What I think he does really well on the new album is that he takes um, the thrash and the anger and the venom and the uh, complexity of those '80s albums. And mixes it with the melody and catchiness of a lot of their 90s albums. And he kind of found a way to bridge both worlds. Like, on an album like Cryptic Writings, he tried that, but like the songs, but not in within one song. Like, you know, he'd have a thrash song and then he'd have like a more like radio rock song. And, you know, but like this one blended it all together. It reminded me a lot of kind of what Metallica accomplished on Hardwired, where they kind of took all the sounds from their career that worked best for them and meshed them together. And that's sort of what this album reminded me of in a lot of ways, stylistically. And to your point, there's parts on the album where it sounds like Mustaine in like 87, 88 singing on so far, so good. So what, like the amount of, Hmm. uh, just his vocal performance, I think from like just capturing that old school sound and so many times on this record, it's a really great vocal performance on, from that perspective by Mustaine. Mm. The guitar works there. The songs are mostly there. 
it, it was just such a it, to me i the moment i heard this record i was like this is the album i've been waiting years for hmm. now i guess i'm sort of left questioning is it a great album or is it just the best album they've done in a while and that's why i'm holding it in higher regard you know like it is it does it seem like it's better because the last several albums I've not liked, or is it actually a great album that I can put up with their best? I'm not sure yet. That's a good question. I think time will tell, and to a degree, I guess seeing them play songs from it live too right. will be a good judge. Um, from what I've heard of recent shows, Dave is not sounding great live. Yeah. But maybe these are songs like written within his, within his range and that kind of emphasize the guitar work a bit more that he can kind of just deliver more comfortably. I um, hope so because I've heard no. I've not heard him in the last you know year or two but I've, I've seen some video service online that have been prior to their most prior to their last tour leading up to the release of this album and you know, I remember his vocal sounding pretty rough. Um, yeah. I don't know if it was just like, you know, um, I don't know if he was just like losing air or if it was in the wrong key mm. or if it was just, I don't know. But there are times where I you heard him and I was he like, didn't... is he using yeah. again? Like, <laughs> I'm not making fun, but there are times where I'm like, is he drunk? Like, uh, it's. Well, he did recover from cancer, so. Well, that's, and that's not part of it too, you know, like, is that playing? Yeah. Uh, a role in it too i don't know but stamina and yeah um but the other thing is he didn't seem very energized to be doing you know symphony of destruction for the thousandth time i agree even though i think i think the clip i saw was from like bloodstock or somewhere pro shot uh festival or something so well yeah i I don't know i stopped seeing megadeth live because i remember the last time i saw them which i think was like on a maybe like a mayhem tour or something several years ago uh, it was the same set list I had seen like the mm. two times before then. Like, you know, that you know you're going to get Holy Wars, uh Hangar eighteen, Peace Cells, um, in a handful of others, and you know what order they're gonna play it in. It was the same set list. I'm like and it and it seems like, you know, it, not that it was a bad show, but a little mm. bit again, like kind of like going through the motions, kind of and and to me like I don't get that from Metallica. Like I remember bringing Agreed, my yeah. bring my wife to a concert, and she's like, you know, and she likes Metallica, but she's not anywhere like on a fandom level like I am. Um, so she will, you know, she she can, you know, she's not biased in any way, and she would, and she's like, you would never think that uh, they've played Inter Salmon as many times as they have because it looks like they actually are having fun playing the song. <laughs> 100%. Yeah, all four of them are always like yeah. completely present in the yeah. moment when they play it, which I love. Um, time for a segue perhaps into uh, our other subject matter, which I was thinking about, um, well, unless you have anything else you want to say about. Well, I just have one. Uh, I have two quick things to say. Um, With all that said, um, Modern Day Mustaine overuses um, special effects and songs. Oh my god, that's so true. (laughs) Um, There, and it's not, and it's used the, 
at its worst on the worst song in the album. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I'm going to say? Um, I can't remember which one, but I have a very strong impression of it. Yeah. Is it Junkie? No, I think Junkie is pretty. It, it's that's that could be a runner-up, but um, mm. uh, Mission to Mars. Oh yes, 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 yes. Countdown. Oh, here we go. You ready? Countdown is commencing. <laughs> pretty soon, oh I'll God. be saying goodbye, Earth. A rocket ride on a bucking bronc at 17,000 miles an hour. It's only seven months to Mars, give or take a light year or two or three. And I wanna, I wanna be an astronaut. I wanna, I wanna, wanna. He's, Woo. it's like the, um, it's like the MD45 song about going to every state, except it's going to Mars. <laughs> wanna be an astronaut. I want, the when I heard, that when I was doing the review for this record, you know, I'm listening to it and I'm like, you know, every song has grabbed me so far. A couple of the songs mm. like, you know, like Junkie is kind of like a stereotypical Megadeth metal song. But, you know, the guitar work is good enough in it where it, it's it stands out more than like some of the other, dare I say, like filler songs on the previous records mm. like it it still has like that same energy, you know, and same spirit. And it doesn't just seem like, you know, we needed a song here. So let's just play something. Um, even though it's, you know, I don't think it's the near at anywhere near the, the best song in the album or anything like that. But then mission to Mars comes around and it's just like, what, what am I listening to? You know? And I, the, the second time I heard the album, I was like, you know, it it got a little bit better, you know, like when I when it can just like focus on the riff and stuff like it, it, it got a little bit better. But like if I go like I, I if I go back and listen to that record now, if there's one song I'm skipping every single time, it's that damn song. Mm. It's just too cheesy, too dumb, too pointless why put it on the record i'd rather listen to the <laughs> deluxe edition cover songs yeah totally which i think are actually really well done and i don't think megadeth yeah. usually does cover songs very well if i'm being honest um mm. but i think the two cover songs that they did are done really well I, i'd rather listen to those than this original song it's garbage i think take it off the album well the voiceover doesn't help no it makes yeah. it worse that's what i'm saying like these special yeah. effects the voiceover it's just Oh, the whole thing is Can just I read like two lines please, from it. So please. it's um, it's like the astronauts have landed on Mars and they're just <laughs> talking about what they're seeing and stuff. And one of them says, "Why don't we just return to Earth and let it rust in peace out here?" <laughs> and the other one says, "Okay, so they they find a time capsule and." They decide they have to leave, which I assume they just wandered into like the video game Doom Eternal or whatever. Right. Um, all right, and then towards the end, they say, Starship Utopia, Earth has been vaporized, but we have found a new way, and you were the first in line. <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> come on. Like, uh... all, all the interesting stuff is happening like 
outside the voiceover. They have to go to Jupiter for some reason <laughs> instead of Earth. How did Earth get vaporized? Is it because you? Is it because they went to Mars and like I, pushed the Doom button or something? I, I don't know. I don't I'm know. guessing. Um, <laughs> you don't know. <laughs> Someone needs to oh. ask Dave about this. Just be like, hey, tell us of the like the the story and the mythology behind Mission to Mars. Like what was Is it your based on like the John Carpenter movie? But that, Mission to Mars? My first guess that no is one likes? my first guess is that because I can see him like being home on like a Sunday and like the movie playing on like TNT and he's like, Oh, this yeah. is a great movie. I bet I can make it into a song. And then he's like, I wonder, he reaches out to the record company. He's like, I wonder if we can license, uh, you know, any audio clips for that movie. And the people who made that movie are like, no. So then he's like, oh, no worries. I'll do my own voiceovers. And then it just spirals and spirals and spirals and turns into like the spinal tap thing that uh, yeah. nobody needs in their life. Actually, I think I know what they found on Mars. They found the mega death. Ooh, maybe that's why Earth yeah. is a has been vaporized because of the yeah mega death. Hmm. Also, correction before anyone cancels me. Mission to Mars, directed by Brian De Palma. Ghosts of Mars, directed <laughs> by John Carpenter. I don't think that anyone likes either of them. Mustaine um, does. Yeah, Ghosts of Mars, famously starring Ice Cube. Yeah, and this and this album features Ice T, so I think yeah. we just found a connection there. You know, much to think about. Yes, 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 yes. yes. Um, but I think those are all my thoughts on uh, the sick, cool. the dying, and the dead. Do you have anything else to add about the album? Wow. Yes, I do. Which is that um, clearly we're in an era where both. Mega Dave and Metallica feel and sound very motivated, right? Mm-hmm. I think that like philosophically, they've probably been never never been further apart. And I say this because like Dave is really channeling his like human is most pissed off, right? This album is like, if not entirely driven by rage, it's like he's got something to prove. He wants to kick down some fucking doors, um, vocally and guitar-wise, compositionally, he has a lot to prove, right? Right. And um, I've just been thinking about how that lines up with his personality because it's like... The the story we all know is that he got kicked out of Metallica and Dave was like, I want to be the best, you know? But, like, what does that mean? Yeah. What does being the best mean? For him, that's meant, like... It's often meant, like, being the fastest, outplaying everyone else, being the most aggressive... Sometimes it's been, like, wanting to be commercially big. But the thing about Dave is that, like, he's not the most relatable person. (laughs) He's not, like, the most emotionally open songwriter. Right. And that's something that, like, Metallica do have. And something that they don't really... It's not really forced. It's kind of just, like, there in the way that James writes these days. Um so it's really it's really interesting because like Metallica, they're making metal, they sound inspired, but like to me these two new songs I, I've been calling them Dad Talica. And 
<laughs> meaning it as a compliment because it really feels like they've settled into who they are now. And um, they're still like kind of heavy songs, right? But they're not trying to out heavy themselves. Yeah. They're comfortable and they're writing songs about, you know, potentially dark subject matter, but that kind of read is like very happy and very joyful and cathartic Yeah, to me, which is so different from like Dave having a bone to pick. Yes. You know? Yeah. No, that makes total sense. I mean, hmm. when I, you know, it, the, the fun thing about being a Metallica fan is that when they come out with a new album, you know, it's going to sound like Metallica, but you don't know what part of Metallica it's going to sound like or how they're going to push that sound into a new direction or if they are or whatever. You don't really know what to expect. So, you know, Luxie Turnout came out. And the first thought I had was, uh, well, I saw the time and I was like, wow, a three minute song. So, you know, this is going to be like kind of to the point. And then I immediately thought of when I heard the riff, you know, the, the, from a structure standpoint and from like, a um, an attitude standpoint, remind me a lot of motorhead from, Mm. uh, a tone perspective. When we're talking about like guitar tones and stuff, it remind me of kind of like you know back to the roots like new wave or british heavy metal and you listen to the lyrics and they gotta be the happiest most positive lyrics hatfield has ever written it's like a, a full celebration of music and playing music and bringing people together and you know forgetting about your troubles in life and just because music makes us happy like that's the gist Mm. of the lyrics and um but it's done like you were saying in this way where it doesn't come across as like this band grasping for um you know commercial success which they've had already and it doesn't seem like a band that is trying really hard at anything they're not trying really hard to be super heavy they're not trying really hard to be dark they're not trying really hard to outdo themselves it just seems like a band that has a lot of energy that is um playing the music they want to make and like you said feel very comfortable in their own shoes and i feel like they have sort of based off the two songs and we'll get more into the other one in a moment too but uh they both have similar vibes and um Mm. in the sense where you know like the the if you break down the riffs, there's not much there on either riff, the main riffs of either song. Mm. They're kind of, um, they're, they're not even like the most memorable riffs. They're not Correct. very yeah. technical, but they play it in their signature style with a lot of attitude, a lot of energy with great melody over it. Mm. Great song structure and Hatfield sounding arguably the best vocally he's ever sounded on a record. Yeah, the the pieces just fit together really, really well. And that's like one of the intangible things about Metallica is they'll always arrange a song in like the best possible way Yeah, for them. Um, Screaming Suicide, which just came out... Um, I really, really like it. Yeah. Um, I've only heard it like 
one and a half times, but you know, I've already got a pr pretty decent handle on it. Um, I think, I don't know what James is doing with his voice on that song, like effects wise, maybe it's double tracked or something, but it sounds gritty and older in a way that's like really, really cool that I haven't heard from him before. There's a part of the song. I think it's like in the chorus section um, mm. where it reminds me vocally of like black album era Metallica. Yeah. Like the, the, hit, the way he gets like that Heffield bite. Um, but there's another element to it too. In the other parts of the songs that seem um, more, like modern i guess in the way he approaches yeah. singing um yeah it, it's a it's an interesting blend i think of vocal sounds even on lexi turner when he like when the chorus comes in lexi turner i was not expecting like such like a strong like almost like power metal vocal there you know yeah yeah he's gonna have to do that live yeah that's gonna be interesting yeah. um but you know, hearing him live recently, I mean, I th he's just mm. taking good care of his himself. Like the, oh yeah, you know, when you the there's more and more old stuff that they're pulling out, and he's aiming for those higher notes, like "Oh, and Kill 'Em All" songs, yeah, and, and the acoustic songs, you know, including like the ones they did on the most recent Helping Hands um, benefit show. You know, he he just he's sounding really phenomenal. He's got in his voice. I think it sounds like uh, somebody who's really understands his voice right now 100 percent. and i yeah. think there were some years um i don't think there was any point in the year where he sounded bad but i think there were some years in live settings where he sometimes struggled with his mm. voice in terms of like really understanding the its range and also like limitations um mm. like the if you go back and listen to some live stuff from like um maybe like late nineties, early two thousands, you know, there's sometimes it sounds like he's almost like pushing too hard or it sounds like mm. a little warbly, but he just has found a way to like fit to really control his voice and get it where it needs to be to pull off mm. the, the, all of his different like vocal stylings and do it really well yeah. on a consistent basis in a live setting. I'm someone who's like, morbidly fascinated by like how singers voices age um like examples like axel rose uh bon jovi um james Lepre of dream theater to an extent yeah um, but more the first two guys because like um but when guns and roses and bon jovi and like motley Crue, i guess to an extent play live People want to hear them play the hits and like recapture the youthful glory days, right? right? But none of those bands have changed their arrangements at all. Yeah. So like your ear and the ba the backing bands still sound like as good as they ever have, right? Right. Um, which in Motley Crue's case is not that good, in my opinion. But <laughs> <laughs> um, your ears kind of like expect the Vince Neil, the Bon Jovi of old. Right. And when you don't get that, it's like really jarring to me. Yeah. Um, and to to a large extent, that's because like those guys are kind of seeing the same way that they used to as well. Like they're trying to hit the same notes, but like it just isn't working. Yeah. They haven't adjusted like the vocal register, the delivery properly. Um, and it ma it makes the whole exercise feel like more 
like you know a failed attempt at nostalgia yeah. than it should yeah and again like you never get that with metallica even if they are playing a very 80s heavy set yeah um it just works yeah. you know yeah i agree mm. what do you think about the concept of the new album so they 72 seasons and one thing i find interesting with the release of this album so far is there's been a heffield's explanation sort of for each piece of it so they come out with the Mm. album title the track list the album cover you know all the all the juicy details that you want as a metallica nerd and they and they announced a new album but it also comes um with an explanation from heffield about the meaning behind 72 seasons which is also the opening track on the album yeah um i'll read it out so hetfield commented on the album's title 72 seasons the first 18 years of our lives that form our true or false selves the concepts that we are told who we are by our parents a possible pigeonholing around what kind of personality we are i think the most interesting part of this is the continued study of those core beliefs and how it affects our perception of the world today. Much of our adult experience is reenactment or reaction to these childhood experiences, prison, prisoners of childhood or breaking free of those bondages we carry. Um, so he's been through a lot of therapy. Yeah. I've been through a lot of therapy. <laughs> I can relate to that. Um, I'm not like in my 50s, but you know, yeah. you know, I've looked back upon my life. Sure. And um, I really, yeah, no, I love it. Like, it feels like, you know, you imagine a song like Dyer's Eve or The Unforgiven and songs like that kind of came from, obviously he wasn't like 18 when he wrote them, but he they came from like a similar mindset of having anger right. that you need to work through or yeah. something to prove. Um, and this is kind of looking in the mirror, but looking in hindsight. And I think having a bit more of like a sense of peace about who you are and your journey, but um, still like getting in touch with that feeling of like discomfort or whatever you want to call it. Although James, it's interesting because he's often like singing in second person or third person with a lot of these lyrics, there's not as much I, I think, as there used to be or as much as there has been, especially compared to, like, St. Anger. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think I think it's a cool thing, you know. It's a pretty distinct perspective shift. Um, the fir- I think the first thing I saw from this album campaign was the single art for Lux Eterna, and the use of yellow is, like, so striking. Yeah. Um, I really love like the consistent design through it, throughout all of this because yeah. to me it has a stronger concept since anything uh, since San Anger actually. Yeah, it, yeah. When you look to first of all, I saw a lot of people hating on the album cover. I actually really like it. I think yeah, it's, cool. know, it's it stands out with the yellow. It's not your typical metal cover, you know, um, but. Um, that aside when you look at uh, you know that explanation for what 72 seasons is and you look at the first two singles that have been released um you know lux eternal we said is being like sort of a celebration of music and celebrating that part of 
I think that Sheffield's still bringing that part of himself, you know, and that, you know, you talked about how he's sounds like he's been through therapy, but that's his, you know, that's his fun therapy going on stage and playing and connecting with people, you know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? And, mm. um, but then, you know, exploring, you, you had mentioned exploring the dark side, screaming suicide. There's an explanation mm. for that, uh, song that he also included with the release of the album. I think I, and, you know, providing more insight again into, um, what we can expect. He wrote screaming suicide addresses the taboo word of suicide. The intentions communicate about the darkness we feel inside. It's ridiculous to think we should deny that we have these thoughts. At one point or another, I believe most people have thought about it. To face it is to speak the unspoken. If it's a human experience, we should be able to talk about it. You are not alone. But even when you look at the lyrics of Screaming Suicide, and again, I've only listened, I crammed, I think, like three listens in before we recorded this. But to me, they didn't come across as, it's, it's a dark subject matter, but it didn't come across as like a dark song. Not at all. It, like yeah. it, it doesn't have a dark message. You know, it's just trying to, I think, relate to like that the human element of suicide. And, you know, when you look at some of the lines too, though, it's like, you know, you're not alone. There's a there's a positive message there. Like it, you're it's not abnormal to mm. go through this. And I think it's interesting, you know, when you're, I, I'm getting the impression from this album that based on the album title, based on the concept, each song is going to sort of represent a part of Heffield as an individual, the good, the bad, the ugly, so to speak, you know? Mm. Yeah. And I'm not sure how much of like a, an overt concept album it'll be, but it does feel like it has a unifying theme that yeah. the last two albums didn't, at least not through every song. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, they they do this a lot in the career, right? When you look at, um, you know, Injustice for All or Master of Puppets, like there's kind of a general theme that trickles throughout those two albums, but it's nothing, it, I would not consider either one a concept album by any means. Yeah. Um, I think Sane Anger... And Death Magnetic had, to to a lesser extent, had like that kind of general theme that ran through. Like a Death Magnetic, a lot of songs were kind of, you know, confronting death and kind of mm. that feeling of it. And then, you know, we didn't really get that on Hardwired, um, mm. but it seems like we're getting that again with Seventy Two Seasons. Yeah, I think so. Loose concept album, not connected songs, but kind of connected themes. Yeah, I think that sense of, like, joy and catharsis comes through not necessarily more on Screaming Suicide, but it's really apparent just because it is dark subject matter. Um, the You know, if you read the lyrics out loud, it's one thing, but to actually hear the song, there is such a sense of, like, we can get through this together. Yeah. Um, you can really, even more than anything on Hardwired or Death, Mag- Death Magnetic, you can kind of hear how it's going to sound live instantly. Yeah. Um, if anything, yeah, it feels like it was written to be played live. Yeah. Um, I I think that's the case with both these songs. There's like, it's very like, the best way I can describe it is like, it almost sounds like they're just jamming. Like it has like this sort of like loose 
jammy feel like they're in the tuning room before a show, just like kind of jamming on this riff, except they're playing it really tight and in a really tight song structure. <laughs> yeah. I think but it, but I, Lars is... Yeah. yeah. Um, you can tell that Lars is having a lot of fun yeah. on both these songs. It's like the double kick on Lux Eternal, but also the like little um, kind of gallop bass drum trill. He does something on the main riff of yeah. Screaming Suicide. Really cool. Like that's something he hasn't done in a long time. So Yeah. Yeah. It, there's, they sound like they're just kind of being more free in a way mm. um, in their performance. Mm. Like a little bit more loose while not giving up, you know, like the the tightness, if that makes sense. And yeah. that to me is like sort of what they, it's like what they try to accomplish. And I think they did with varying degrees of success, so like load and reload and mm. even like St. Anger, you know, but when these songs so far seem to be like a lot looser, a lot more groove with that mm. like 80s thrash mentality um, and totally. feel mixed in. It, it it's yeah. I feel like it's what Hardwired started to do, and this mm. so far sounds like the natural continuation of that, but with like a more dare I say like positive or hopeful outlook yeah. lyrically and thematically. Yeah. Um. What one thing that I don't like about Hardwired that much, and that kind of makes it hard for me to listen to the album start to finish is I feel like in a lot of the songs, James is singing in the same register and with kind of the same intensity throughout. I don't find it to be a very dynamic album vocally. Like I'm curious if you've, if you feel that, um, there are some songs where it strikes me more than others, you know? Yeah. That's interesting. I can understand what you're saying. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, it's funny. I think, Hardwired is when I when I listen to each song individually, mm. I really like the songs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a harder album to process, I think, from start to finish with how it flows. Agree. Um, yeah. And maybe that's part of the reason why I never really thought too much about it. But maybe that's part of the reason why mm. maybe it has to do with sort of uh, you know, a part of it is more of that focal, uh, you know, the dynamics approach, of the vocals yeah. and the approach. Yeah. Yeah. There's something kind of like compressed about, um, a lot of it, like not just the production, but the, the kind of skeleton of the melodies and the structures that they're using Yeah. on that album. And yeah, again, here, I don't get that. Like it's a similar palette, but they really have like settled into dad Talaka in my opinion that's what i'm calling this album it's not so many seasons that title <laughs> well i mean when you listen if you're if you think about what he did vocally in hardwired and i think his vocals sound good on hardwired and the album sound good mm. but when you compare his vocal approach on that album to what we've already heard in these two songs right lexi turner like i already said he has yeah, that yeah. lexi turner like that higher register almost power metal vocal and then on screaming suicide he has the he alternates between like that black album bite and the almost like croony like pre-chorus and he has that talking word part that like mm. he, he he which i don't think he's done since maybe load um or reload and 
he it, which builds up in intensity like it, we've in two songs we've already seen several different you know approaches to the vocals mm. yeah i don't have anything to add to that it's just an exciting time i think and perhaps what's more exciting than an album arguably is the announcement of this tour mm. uh, well it's not that exciting i guess if you're not if they're not coming to a city near you. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Brandon. Just rubbing in already. Like we got, you know, we but, we had the first cancellation yeah. <laughs> when games went back into rehab in 2019. They were really, touring with Slipknot. I, I was going to, you know, get into the fucking maggot pit. I was going to review the show. <laughs> and then, you know, everything, you know. They really... Well, I made up for it by... by guesting on like 20 hours of metal cast during the pandemic so. <laughs> but yeah, they really they really too. gave up you guys gave up on you guys in australia <laughs> sorry but um but for us people who are not you australian peasants we uh us american royalty <laughs> <laughs> you and your baseball and your football stadiums and metallica playing the national anthem getting your, your new yorker profile yeah. that's how many metal bands get a profile on the new yorker none <laughs> um Th- there was such a novelty to that because it was like it was done in such new yorker like slightly kind of frivolous like <laughs> style so it's like this is what heavy metal is about yeah um have you heard of it yeah you know there's somebody reading this like oh i know heavy metal i know metallica the interesting guys yeah yeah um but uh now i forget what was i gonna say oh the i love the concept of the tour um Mm. two nights in each city i think it I think it's always a Friday and Sunday night, but it might be different some weekends. Uh, completely mm. different show both nights. Different opening mm. acts. They're promising different set lists. And they, and they even said, yes, that means you're only going to hear Inter Salmon one night. <laughs> oh, so, um, it's going to be completely different shows. One of the opening acts, I think it's night one, is Pantera, which obviously is not like... That's crazy. Yeah. That's fucking yeah. wild. Yeah. You know? So... Um, it is, they, they sound pretty good as well. Just like, yeah. Ha- have you seen? I've I've seen little clips footage? online. Yeah, and they it's s- very surreal. Yeah, and yeah. so they announced this. That got me more excited, almost than like the new album and song and all that. Because the last several times Metallica's come around, it, it's not been like it's not like they've been in my backyard, but they've been in driving distance, like a couple hours that way or three hours that way or whatever. But, you know, mm. because of life and money and COVID and all those things that, you know, adults have to worry about and the world has to worry about with in term, with, when it comes to COVID, uh, I just I did not make it happen. You know, I, I really wanted to splurge mm-hmm. and go to the 40th anniversary shows, but like my daughter was going to be three months old at that point. I was like, I can't go across the country when my daughter's three months old and I got a three-year-old mm-hmm. at home and this and that and COVID and every, it's a week before Christmas and da, 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 da. Anyways, and that's the tour. I, I'm like, I'm going, there's no way I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not going. Um, so I got for, if anybody's coming to these shows, I was able to get, uh, tickets to the New Jersey show 
and the Massachusetts show. So I'll be at MetLife Stadium this right. August. I'll be up in the nosebleeds with some buddies. Um, and then uh, Gillette Stadium, I got uh, in Foxborough, I got field. So I'll be down on the field uh, pushing my way to uh, as close as possible. But uh, That's crazy. Yeah. Those shows are like a year apart. Yeah, it's literally um, like the first weekend in August this summer and then the first weekend hmm. in August next summer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah like do, do you think they'll be adding more or like i mean i it, they, it seems i think like, they released a statement saying they're not i think they said this is because yeah reading the new yorker piece um i got the sense that a lot of like headfield's um motivations for going back into rehab were him having an unhealthy lifestyle on the road and like not feeling present and yeah. feeling like too like overstimulated and so I imagine this is like a response to that. You know, they're yeah. playing fewer dates than ever, but like making the most of all of them. Yeah. I think this is what we're going to get because of, from this point yeah. forward, until, because of that. And also, yeah. you know, they're getting up there in age and I think they want to stretch this out as long as they are physically able to. And I think mm-hmm. they realize like, you know, playing this type of music at 70 is going to be a lot harder than like what the Rolling Stones are doing. And, mm-hmm. I, and I'm not knocking the Rolling Stones, but like it's just less like playing. I can't get no satisfaction. It's just less physically intensive <laughs> yeah. than playing Master Puppets. Yeah, it's just a fact. Like it, you look at the double bass, the the downstrokes, the vocals, it, everything. It's just a it's just a mm-hmm. more physical. It demands a more physical performance. And yeah. I think you know by doing by cutting back on their touring, I think they see it as like kind of prolonging their touring future in a lot of ways you know it, mm. i think if they if they if they went out on tour and grinded it out for two years hitting you know every a market then every b market like they kind of they even did that on hardwired with like two weeks on two weeks off but like they did mm. yeah, i think it's just too much for them at this point i don't think it's sustainable for them at this point fair enough but i think that's my opinion i can't I don't know no no i totally agree um like th- they've given us so much that like how can we ask for much more you know yeah um but it also feels like um i can't imagine any other metal band doing it better for longer than they have um aside from probably like black sabbath to an extent but like yeah they're retired so well even you know sabbath didn't do it consistently for as long as metallica's done it you know yeah and they rotated out the bill ward um yeah sadly yeah yeah so um i mean the, i think the only other ones that come close in the metal world that still put on like a high energy performance mm. for consistently for years is probably iron maiden agree yeah um but they have swapped out a little bit of this too so that doesn't yeah. count it made in the same way it made it technically had those years where dixon wasn't in the band so yeah. It hasn't been mm. like, you know, 40 years nonstop. I'm just saying. All you, I'm just saying. <laughs> True. Um, True. But, uh, you know, uh, yeah, it's, it's to do it at the level they're doing it, though, is, is, I mean, they're, they're in another category. They're in Springsteen yeah. category now. You know, they're, in, absolutely. They're in yeah. Rolling Stones category. They're in, um, you know, dare I say, Beatles category. They're the the upper mm. uh they're the upper um level of music, period. Doesn't matter the genre. 
Totally agree. Speaking of upper level, I wanted to read out something from the enhanced experiences part of the touring website. <laughs> um, so they have various. Is this the mission to Mars ticket? <laughs> For Megadeth, it is. Yeah, um, Dave will explain to you the concept of that song. Um, Sold one million dollars. But they have um, they have a Lux Eterna platform experience, which for one night it goes for four thousand three hundred ninety eight US dollars, including your oh okay, including a ticket to a single show. It also includes up to eight guests total. Maybe that's a really good deal, or like it's better than. Oh, yeah. I thought it was like four grand for one person. Okay, that you makes know a lot you know sense. what. I don't. I yeah. so I saw people complaining about ticket prices. I honestly think the tickets are a good deal compared to what other shows are going for, yeah. especially at this level. So, like for example, uh, New Jersey uh, that I'm going to this summer. Uh, granted, I got the tickets up in the nosebleeds, like up in the three hundreds. Yeah. Um, but for two tickets, see two completely different shows. After all of Ticketmaster's service fees and all that garbage it was like 188 bucks for two shows that's really good like and that's impossible in australia yeah. by the way because during cost high here field my field tickets in gillette i think after all the fees were like i think i spent like 400 for two shows like field tickets after all the yeah. services so i i think i was like 600 that's bucks all in to see four shows I don't think mm. that's a bad deal. Yeah, it's money. It's a lot of money. I know like 600 bucks yeah. isn't chump change, but compared to like what pe what people were paying for like Springsteen and stuff, I was reading mm. like, you know, uh, people, it, it, it's just, uh, it, I don't think it's that bad of a deal. Yeah, I feel that. Um, and, and people are complaining, might, yeah. sorry, but people are complaining about like the packages yeah. you were saying, talking about. And look at them like, for what you get, it doesn't seem that unreasonable. And guess what? You don't have to buy that ticket package. Done. No, exactly. So nobody's expecting you to spend $5,000. You're good. Go spend, you know, what I did and spend 188 and get and get your nosebleeds. <laughs> yeah. Let's, um, uh, I'm going to, uh, hold on. I'm going to keep going along this trend foot, right? Yeah. So the Lux Eterna platform experience, it gets you, um, one exclusive viewing platform for a private group of up to eight people. With an unbeatable view for your selected show date, you get beverage cooler with beer and soft drinks, access to a lounge, um, limited edition merch, pre-order concert merch. Um, it says the raised platform will be at the base of a production tower encircling the stage on the stadium floor situated less than 75 feet from the stage itself. It provides easy access to the general admission standing area as well. So... That's that's very cool. Like yeah. I've never really heard of that yeah, as um like a viewing experience. But I'm also looking at the um the price for the two the price for the two show package is um seven thousand two hundred and seventy two dollars, which is cool. <laughs> <laughs> Got seventy two down there. Um yeah, that would be like nine hundred and nine dollars per person for two nights. Yeah. For that, which I mean, th there are worse ways to spend yeah. that much money yeah, at a yeah. concert. I'll say that. I mean, the thing is, if you're spending that money, chances are you have the money to spend. Facts, yeah. You know? Um, yeah. But 
one thing that's cool about this tour too, which I'm not sure I've seen this before in a stadium setting, is that they're doing it in the round. Yeah. Um, so and they've always done that at the arena level, but they've never done mm. it at the stadium level. And I don't know. Yeah. I, I I'm sure there's somebody who's done it, but I don't know anybody off. You two has now. You two's done it in the in the round. You two three sixty two did that, and yeah, I was there in twenty. 10 and yeah it was incredible well, that's so. probably where they got the idea lars was probably like i saw you two mm. do it let's do it because he's a big u2 fan so yeah yeah <laughs> and as we know james sometimes calls load and reload like the u2 era yeah <laughs> it was a good experience though in the stadium right seeing it in the round yeah amazing amazing yeah. like i was i think yeah i was standing so i can't speak for the view otherwise but i think either playing in the round or having like a giant like you know quintuple size imax screen like taylor swift has yeah those are like in my opinion the only ways to like solve the line of sight problem yeah that you have in a stadium right otherwise it's kind of like um you're always going to have worse seats yeah. somewhere but it, it works it works i i just feel i now i forget i was gonna say anyways <laughs> professional over here podcast yeah. professional Yes. I'm back in my top form that I always have been in. <laughs> I haven't heard that phrase in a while, in a couple of seasons. Yeah. Here it is, back again. Yeah. So just a quick note, uh, where I'm at right now, it is, we're recording this on January 19th, and I'm seeing flashes out For my, you? Yeah, for me. You're in the future. For- <laughs> yeah. I'm seeing flashes out my window because we're having a thunderstorm in january nice weird um but anyways the sky is screaming suicide right now yeah not gonna go out there and ride the lightning only if i'm on a mission to mars (laughs) (laughs) i wanna be an astronaut i wanna i wanna wanna uh megadeth would you like an opportunity for a diversion Yes. At this point, a brief tangent. Okay, yes. who could say no? So, um, one thing about Apple Music is that sometimes they have like artist interviews about albums and songs, right? Right. And um, when I listened to the Megadeth album, um, I was looking at the answers that he gave for each song, and I don't think a single one of them actually like made sense relating <laughs> to lyrics, especially Mission to Mars. So it's like, okay, um, he says, uh. Actually, do you, do you want to read it in Dave voice? Sure. All right. So I'm going to send this to you in StreamYard. Um, I could present it for you, but no, I'll just send it to you um, here. And if you scroll down to about the song, that's the quote. All right. Hold on. Here we go. Let's see. Does it have anything to do with the actual story of the song? You be the judge. Metallicast militia. Wait, I'm. It's it at the bottom. I'm scrolling down. Yep. Let me see. I'm looking for. It. So it says, "What have the artists said about the song?" Oh. Uh, yeah. This was inspired by all the sage wisdom from TikToks and a lot of other discussions about space travel. I remember going down to NASA and Houston uh, before the Japanese. As the professor, can you even can you even call them the Japanese anymore? Quick now, because I don't know. That just seems 
not the Soviets. What? Yeah, <laughs> because the Japanese has sent a professor into space and blew bubbles <laughs> to see if <laughs> bubbles were capable of being blown in zero gravity. <laughs> I said, "You're kidding." You're spending fifty million fucking dollars <laughs> to send a scientist into space wow, on a spaceship of blue bubbles. Wow. One of the astronauts' wives heard me on the air and took exception. Invited me to come down there. <laughs> I don't really know much about what I saw. <laughs> <laughs> But it looks like there was a bunch of stuff going on that we couldn't even fathom. It's exciting. The space race. <laughs> so not only does he contradict himself in that quote, he, he at first he's like, man, they're full of shit. Like, you're spending our tax dollars to, like, blow bubbles in space. Right. But then after that, he's like, oh, man, it's, actually, it's pretty cool, right? <laughs> and then he goes to like, a song that has absolutely nothing to do with any of that. Uh, but I also like to, you know, I'm not saying I would go there and understand everything that's going on, but he's, oh, yeah. he's there like he's like supposed to be in awe. He's like, I don't really know much about what I saw, but it looked like there was a bunch of stuff going on. That's a direct quote. <laughs> like, that's his explanation. <laughs> Why did you write this yeah. song? It's about, you know, blowing bubbles and zero gravity. I saw a bunch of stuff. It, it seems like a lot of stuff is going on, but I don't really understand any of it. <laughs> <laughs> if you yeah, if you go on Apple Music and look at the, the oh my description, goodness. like pr- pretty much every song is like this. Like that is there's amazing. that song, oh the um the song Celebutant on oh yes the album, which is kind of about like you know superficial pop stars or whatever social media. Right. The quote he gives is like, "Man, I heard Ingve Malmsteen when he first came over to the US." And, like, I thought he was a total poser, but then I met him later, and I think he's a brilliant guitar player. That's the pretty much the entire quote. Right. Like, what does that have to do with anything? <laughs> wow. I, I now, I'm, so I'm on Apple Music right now. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> all right, we have the sick, the dying, the dead. About the Black Plague. Um, life in Hell. Tongue in cheek about to live and die in LA. Good movie. Very angry movie. Yeah. Night Stalkers, the helicopter one, special forces, special ops. Dogs which are normal. About a relationship that ends and one person is going through the feeling of abandonment. Sacrifice. Um <laughs> That one's incredible as well, because once again, it has nothing to do with the lyrics. I'm looking at his explanation for it. The lyrics of Sacrifice is like, like, it's about like, it seems like it's about like witchcraft. Yeah. Like, all right, all right, all right, hold on a minute. We're going down the rabbit hole now. We knew this was going to happen. Yeah. It took us, it took us a, <laughs> over an hour to get there, but all right. There, there are no Metallica songs that you can do this for, no. apart from We Did It Again. Yeah. Um, Probably and Lulu to another extent, but you know. But that's but that's also a different kind of. Uh... All right, so yeah. here are the lyrics to "Sacrifice" by Megadeth. I don't know if I'll read them all, but I'll I will you know at least 
give you the general gist. <laughs> I'm going to recite this one like poetry. Sure. Come listen to the tale of a tragic sacrifice of a warlock king of satanic ancestry being possessed by the worst of all human emotions, burned at the stake for partaking in sorcery. The wickedest wizards bartered the souls of the lost for the damned. Ooh. It actually says ooh in the lyrics, so I had to say that one as mistake. Spirits of the dead ooh. for the wild and the free. Just beware if every thought was has if, if every thought has consequences, what they think is worse than any curse could be. Then it's the chorus. The skies, the skies on fire, flames rise and shadows fall. Cremate, cremate, the king's sky clad and drenched in blood. Binding hexes, casting spells, the demons drink to you down in hell. When you promise not to break the oath you take, the oath you make. So that's the gist of the song, right? Here's the explanation. (laughs) Years ago, I went to an after-hours party in Los Angeles. There were some famous musicians there, and one of them was wearing these expensive sunglasses. I don't know how they ended up on the ground. Ugh. But I remember seeing another guy go over and step on them. I remember thinking, that's so uncool. <laughs> and this guy who had the sunglasses was like the Michael Jordan of guitar players. Ugh. So obviously the other guy felt threatened or intimidated. Sacrifice was inspired by a song that the guy with sunglasses wrote many years ago. Wow. <laughs> if anyone could explain the link between those two things. I don't know. Come on the next episode. Like, I'm not the uh, host, but you know, I'll, I'll be very impressed if you can do that. Oh. <laughs> uh. All right, Junkie, guess what? It's about a Junkie. Um, that one makes sense. I thought for a moment yeah. Junkie might be like, it's about um, me watching uh, March of the Penguins <laughs> on Netflix. <laughs> um, Psychopathy and Killing Time, a one-two punch. Psychiatrist talking about the dangers of mental illness. And then killing time. If I'm in a relationship with somebody, they're always going to put their best face on when we first meet. Da 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 da. It's about procrastination. Hmm. Okay. Soldier on. It's about soldiering on. <laughs> yeah. It's like yeah. the the lyrics are either like spot on to the title. Like there's no subtleness to it. Or has nothing to do with the explanation. There's another great line in the Soldier Run thing where he says, it was much like Tornado of Souls. If I told you Tornado of Souls is a failed relationship song, most people would say, wow, I didn't get that. (laughs) Most people would. That's what the song is about. (laughs) Wait, which one is that? It's at the end of the Soldier On section. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> wow i thought tornado of souls was a song about marty freeman really shredding it up yeah. <laughs> oh this is uh oh this is this is his explanation for we'll be back the lead single the final yeah. track on the record this is about persevering in the end Ugh. you know you can't hold me down and no matter what i'm not gonna give up 
The things you can count on this world are death, taxes, and Dave Mustaine coming through any kind of hardship. All right, Dave. Good for putting your uh, good for patting yourself on the back there. You know, ay ay ay. The album is wow. good, but yeah, he makes it hard to like them sometimes. <laughs> he does. He does. Um, wow. That I I find analyzing Megadeth lyrics always to be like this soul cleansing experience for me. I feel better <laughs> after it. This is my therapy. That's very. This true. is my therapy. Uh, I do. Well, our goal today was to, uh, or my goal today. I don't want to speak for you, Krista. My my goal today um, was to explain my absence. Um, not that it's any of your goddamn business. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just angry now, like Mustaine. Uh, to give our general thoughts on um, the new Megadeth album and to discuss all the exciting new Metallica news, tour, songs, album. And Kristen, I think we did it with, I think we passed this with flying colors, as they say. I think we did. I think we did so well that people won't even notice that we're like however many months late on. Definitely not. I I mean, we'll see how many people even noticed. I've not released an album in three months. Um, An Mm. album, an episode in three months. Um, No, all all joking aside, I do want to say this before um, we sign off or go down another rabbit hole, whatever happens first here. Um, Mm. I was pleasantly surprised. I'm not saying this as a brag. I'm saying this as a thank you. I was pleasantly surprised when like all podcasters, we, I got my Spotify on raft for the year and saw it's nothing. I, sh- it's not something I shared on social media, but it was, um, you should, a lot of, uh, cool stats. And I was like, Oh wow. People listen. Still people care, even though I'm not, uh, even though I feel like I'm not really delivering a lot of content. Um, and even though one of the, the funny, one of the funniest stats was to me personally, so I was like, I've not done like anything in 2022 with this podcast. And it said I had released uh, more content in my genre area, like music podcasts, than 75% of others. So I was like, oh, huh. that's interesting. I guess I, I might not release the albums frequently, but I guess they're like, you know, 90 minutes to three hours each one. So <laughs> quality over quantity. Yeah. Um, Take notes, Mustaine. Anyways, um, <laughs> but I was—I just want to say thank you to everybody who's listening. I never did, um, you know. I think it's been—I think it's been five years now. Has yeah. it been five years? I think it's been five years. End of twenty seventeen is when you started, right? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. Wow. So, um, thank you to everybody who's listened to Metallicast for. Um, some strange reason. Some of you keep listening, and um, it's cool. Seeing... Almost keep coming on. <laughs> I don't know what's weirder, <laughs> listening or coming on this show, over and over again. Um, but no, thank you. I, I was pleasantly surprised with uh, some of the stats. I recently saw something, and this like boggled my mind. I I I don't know how accurate this is. I got it off 
there's like you know different websites out there that tell you if you're a podcast or you're not even if you're not a podcast anybody can look this up um but um you know i i because i'm an egomaniac i like looking where the podcast is on charts and stuff not not an egomaniac, but you know i'm just curious you know what the stats are what the data is what 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 uh who's out there listening if anybody and uh I saw something recently that said um, it, it gives you like a global like listening score. They take it's like out of three million something podcasts in the world. And I said Metalcast was in the top 2.5% of global podcasts. So thank you. If that's true, thank you. Um, if this is your first time listening, what the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm all riled up now from all the mistaken impressions. Um, <laughs> no, if this is your first time listening, thank you for tuning in. Make sure you download, subscribe, and leave a positive five-star review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere you get this year podcast or your other podcasts that suck compared to mine. I'm just kidding again. Um, but, um, yeah, please. Do all those things. Helps me out. Like I said, I'm going to take um, probably a couple more months off just because I'm moving. I'm going to be, you know, doing work on the new house and be packing and moving all my stuff. I'm not going to be completely settled yet. But, but once I am settled, which should be by the time April 14th, the release date of 72 season comes around, I'll be ready to go. And uh, when that time comes, Chris, and I expect you back here to uh give me your in-depth track by track 72 seasons review i'm gonna say it on air now so we can hold each other accountable and do it damn it i would be honored and i imagine you'll be recording from somewhere that isn't the Hart family dungeon <laughs> for the first well, time you know what's hilarious so yeah Kristen's saying that because i i'm recording this in my basement which is uh has lovely like 80s wood paneling. <laughs> yeah. So the best part about the house I'm moving into is that the entire house right now is wood paneling. Oh my lord. <laughs> so it, it's a beautiful home that has not been updated cosmetically in quite a number of years. So a lot of the oh. work that we're doing is going to be painting and ripping up this wood paneling. Um, but one wood paneling that's going to stay is the wood paneling in the basement. It is going to be my little recording studio. And so I will just be moving from one heart family dungeon (laughs) to another heart family dungeon. If you put up the same painting behind you, it'll be like nothing's changed. (laughs) You would have never have known if I didn't tell you. Is the lighting yeah. a little bit different now, Brandon? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And for those listening for the first time, your surname is not Hart. That's a reference to um, yes. the wrestler Bret Hart, yes. who famously lived in a mansion with a room they called the Hart Family Dungeon, yeah. known as such because his dad would like train kids to wrestle and like stretch them out. You know? Yeah. And it had wood paneling and like a green carpet or something. <laughs> yeah. And it was tiny. So that's that's always been where I imagine yeah. you're recording from. Yeah. I wish. I wish. <laughs> I think that's where Chris Jericho records his podcast from, though. <laughs> it's now the yeah. Talk is Jericho studio. Yeah. 
Which, by the way, Chris, I'm going to call you Chris as if I know you. Come on, Metallica ass. Let's talk Metallica. Let's do it. Yeah. 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 Kristen, tell us about Hello, yourself. Hello, Brendan. Tell us about your life. Anything you want to plug? Where Do you want people to find you on social media? Sure. Do you, want to, be, to. Do you want to be found? Um, for, for the time being, yes. Okay. Um, yeah, I am Christian is she at everywhere. Um, on Twitter, most certainly. Have I written anything musically or about music in a couple months? No, I have not. But I have one thing, I think, for February and then... Who knows? That might be it. It might be the last music journalism I ever do. Wow. Um, aside from my appearances on this wonderful podcast, which sometimes feels uh, journalistic. <laughs> sometimes. Sometimes. Sometimes it's has journalistic. N- sometimes it's a complete shit show. But It has nothing to do with like my presence. You know, I don't make it any yeah. like classy or anything. You know? You know what song came to mind, Kristen? Mm. We're going through changes. <laughs> Kelly Osbourne version. <laughs> the Kelly Osbourne. I literally was just gonna say. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Amy Osbourne, very cool artist actually. Oh yeah. Music under A R O on Spotify. Very cool dark electro pop. All right. I always, um, I think I have this fantasy of like. Amy Osborne, Electra Mustaine, and Sophie Simmons, like forming a girl group, you know, because they all make music that's like vaguely compatible. Right. Yeah. I just want to be like an A and R, just be like, hey, you know, let's make like do, a do metal the, girl group Wilson that's Phillips. not metal. Yeah, be the Wilson no. Phillips of like, um, whatever genre yeah, of like metal legends, you know. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, I like that. I will manage that group. Yeah. yeah. And then yes. and then they can do their uh a crossover with baby metal. Mm. And butcher babies. And every other <laughs> woman fronted metal band. And they'll say cool. but they're not even metal. And we'll say, No, 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 you don't understand. Their fathers play metal. <laughs> Yes. And that's why I'm going to manage them, Kristen. Yeah. I'm going to manage them I bet you could. right to the top of, I don't know, something. Top of the guest list in my recording studio. <laughs> it came yeah. my basement, the Hart Family Dungeon. I like that um that tired Brandon has a very similar energy to drunk Brandon except like well very similar like everything except your energy level. Yeah. That's like the one thing that yeah. changes. Yeah. <laughs> Podcast professional. I'm going to bring that back now. All yeah. right. Find hmm. Kristen at Kristen is she? Yeah. It's that that's me. on everything. At Metallica's Pod on Facebook. Twitter and Instagram. Give me a follow. Remember what I said, download, subscribe, leave a positive five star review wherever you found this episode. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere. Just listen to the show. Um and uh 
I want to give a shout out to Hector, my favorite one man band who does, uh, as Kristen knows, I like to call it my entrance music just to keep with the wrestling theme, uh, my intro music there. And, um, right now I'm going to put on my Bret Hart sunglasses and my (laughs) Bret Hart leather jacket, and I'm going to strut into the sunset and leave you with this. Till next time, ladies and gentlemen, build up your ass. Yeah! Ooh,